Good out this afternoon, nearly 5.15. Afternoon to Ali Alassa. Nice to see you. Thank you for having me, Adam. Good to have you here. Questions for Ali just before we start. 4001, the free app. Text in now if you have a legal issue that is on your mind. A number of things that we wanted to talk to you about, but just before uh, we go to a quick break in a second, here's a story that is doing the rounds, and I'm wondering, Ali, if you're uh, seeing this or if you're seeing less complaints over the number of checks or if you observe this in your day-to-day business. Here's a report in the newspapers. More than a third of tenants are paying the rent in four checks, but more and more landlords increasingly accepting rent paid in multiple checks. Perhaps as many as 12 for a year's rent. Are you, st- are you seeing that? Basically, like uh, what we noticed like, uh, in the t- as a trend in the market, like the moment it's very hard for a lender to find tenants, mm. he will be more flexible in giving like six chats or 12 chats. But whenever the market is growing up and like more tenants or, for example, someone have a property that's in high demand, like landlords tend to accept like less chats, for example, like one or two, three sometimes. Well, it makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, the idea of that is like uh, uh, sub, uh, offer and sub, uh, demand. Like uh, if you have a unit and you receive an offer for it, for example, let's say 100,000 dirham for one chart. Mm. If you ask the landlord, okay, I want to pay by multiple charts, usually the landlord is not going to say no, but they tell you, okay, but the rent will be 100,000 dirham, 120,000 dirham. Yeah, for sure. So the moment the number of charts goes down, the rent will go down. But basically, it's up to the parties to agree on it. There is and is there any legal provision for doing that, paying by several checks or paying by a single check? Okay, basically just the idea of the chat is a matter of practice, not a matter of law. But uh, if you go back to the rental laws of Dubai, it provides that unless parties otherwise agreed, the rent should be paid in four uh, equal uh, payments. Okay, but not, not mandatory by chat. But in practice, it's always the chat. Okay, but, uh, but it's, that's just a practice rather than a... It's not a legal stipulation. No, there is nothing about it. Okay. It's more just like four payments, but everybody secured it by checks. Okay. With this article, we have uh, we just took this story. It's just something we happened across. Um, somebody's quoted from Allsop and Allsop saying, look, it's good to see a shift in uh, owner's mentality. A sign of a mature property market is to offer more flexible payment terms and accept that you know you need to spread uh, payments on an annual basis, maybe in 12 checks. be nice to see happening all the more, but I'm guessing a lot of people perhaps driving home now are thinking well i've not seen that i think as well um you know a few years ago lots of people that came out were on packages from their company so their employer was paying Mm. the rent therefore it was easy to do it in a couple of checks or sometimes even one check but now people are coming out and some of the jobs they're doing aren't the kind of jobs that attract um an accommodation allowance so for most people how do you find a year's worth of rent up front so that's quite a difficult thing to manage so i think more and more landlords are certainly understanding that not everyone is in a position to pay it in one or two checks so they're happy to take the money if you've got a good tenant and you're going to get the money mm. does it really matter how many checks you have i'd argue exactly the same way uh, to be honest it'd be interesting if you're driving home now thinking uh, well that certainly not happened to me or if you're driving home or you're at home or wherever you are and you're thinking well actually this is the case somebody texts him why are we even discussing checks when the world's phased them out surely we should move to electronic payment there's a very good argument. However, checks are prevalent here. It's it's the way that it's always been done. I mean, Ali, that probably does need to change. To be honest, like every time we are discussing the attendancy matter in the office or we have a client or like someone asking about this stuff, there's always the question like the entire world is shifting away of chats. Mm. Why we still need the chats here? The uh, answer is very simple. Chats here are still a criminal case. In the event you default the chat, you go to jail, which is a very high leverage in the hand of the beneficiary of the chat. So it's Till now, it's very secure and like like the system, like the transaction or like the market of friend didn't figure out till now a better way of payment unless you make one payment in advance. Then 
But you already I, I paid mean, everything. You can see that. I mean, yeah. the, the thing is with the check, you there is that kind of aura that surrounds checks that these are, if you if you bounce check, it is a criminal matter. It's not a civil matter. It is criminal. Yeah. And we, you understand that. But that law could surely be applied relatively easily to electronic payments in the case of real estate payments, for example. How hard would that be to, to mm. shift across, if you like? The idea in this situation, if we will have a system where, for example, we have a bank transfer, that will be secured like in the event you default it, you will go to jail or you'll have the same repercussion. Mm. Even if now we are calling it uh, ban transfer, but again, in practice, we are still under the chat system. And the main idea yeah. that people have with the chat is not the idea that I have to give a chat. It's more that I go to jail if I don't pay, which means even if I default my rent, I end up going to jail. Mm. So we do it by chat or by any, any other way of payment. As long as it have like a criminal aspect of it, the result will be the same. So it's just a legacy effect that landlords like to receive checks and they like to, I don't know, put them in a ledger. It's just, that's just the way things were done, how they are done. Because if I draw, for example, to a landlord, I tell him that I'll pay you like by four bank transfers. He doesn't have security because what if I don't do the certain transfer after three months from now? Mm. He, he, he doesn't have anything against me or what he can do, do file a civil case and let wait until I, fi- I pay him or whatever. Well, with the check, he doesn't have to bother to do anything, just press the check. Okay, and I suppose in some cases, uh, depending on uh, how your arrangements are with the bank, you can lodge that check, you can draw against that check in some instances, uh, which you can then leverage, I suppose, to help build your business if you're a real estate business. There, there are ways to do that, aren't there? Uh, basically, for the check... You chat, can discount checks. Uh, for, for the check, whenever you give it, there's no way you can stop it anymore. Yeah. Even if the amount towards it is not due, for example, let's say you vacate your property, but your landlord still have his the checks in your in his hands, he can go and cash them. If they bounce, you're still terminally liable, regardless what's the content of the check. Pretty straightforward, uh, really. So it is. It's uh, reasonably simple. We've got questions coming in for you, Ali. We'll come back to these in a few moments' time. I'm just looking on the uh, text line here, Sally. I don't know if you saw that text from Muhammad yeah. Ali. Bad, yeah. bad accident on the Shakeside Road. Yeah, uh, that's it's the one that we reported on uh, just mm. a, a little bit, a little while ago, into Dubai from Abu Dhabi. Uh, Muhammad says complete standstill for around five kilometres, starting from uh, Asmaha area around exit three six one in Abu. And uh, he advises that if you're heading that way, uh, head on to Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed Road, which is what uh, Raza said earlier also. Yeah, thank Any you. questions on the legal hour? Thanks, Sally. Any mm. questions on the legal hour? Get in touch with us, 4001 via the free app. Ali is here to answer questions. We've got more things that we want to talk about as well, but get the questions in quick as possible. It always does get busy. This is Drive Live on Dubai Eye 103.8. Strive Live, and it is the Legal Hour. We have our guest, Ali Al-Assad. He's from Yamalaba and Plethka. Legal Hour on Drive Live. Questions to 4001 or via the free app. If you'd like to get in contact with us, do that today. Let's start with the first question in uh, NLT. Upendra texted in a while ago looking to buy a villa. Yes, Upendra says, um, here we go. Hi, I'm planning, hi Ali, I'm planning to buy a villa to live in. Some houses are tenanted. The previous owners have already given them one year's eviction notice. When I become the new owner, do I need to give a fresh eviction notice of one year or does the previous eviction notice still stand? Basically, if we have a proper legal notice asking the tenant to leave the property after the 12 months from the date of receiving the notice, and the notice clearly specified that the reason of eviction is sale of property, as we know, you don't need a new notice. You can base your case on the current one. So Pendra there doesn't need to get another notice once mm. that villa becomes hers. Um, whenever the 12-month period has been... Yeah, provided this 12-month period fall after the expiry of the tenancy contract and the notice is not defective, let's say, the way of how it was served or, for example, like anything in the wording that shows something other than selling the property. 
Okay, here's another question for you. Kartik texted this in. I had this uh, a few years ago, actually. Is it legal for the real estate agent to charge a contract renewal fee for a tenancy contract? Basically, it depends on the contract you have with the broker. And in general, like if the broker is helping you to finalize the renewal, then he's providing a service and, she, and uh, they need to be paid for it. However, if you see that there is any uh, exorbitant amount, that's something where you need to stand for yourself and just like try to reject or like at least negotiate what they are asking you to pay. Because mm. I remember being contacted by an agent who said, uh, so your contract's going to renew. I said, yeah, I'm going to renew. He said, well, then you need to pay me my 15% again. And I said, well, I'm not going to pay you 15%. And then he never called me back. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That Especially if you don't have a contract with them, because sometimes mm. it happens just as a matter of like, okay, I'll ask you to pay, you'll pay, you're not going to challenge it. And they will keep asking you. But if you don't have an agreement saying that you have to pay them, there's no such obligation. But it's just to be aware, isn't it, that because mm. you used an agent in the first mm. place, they helped you find that particular place. It's not mm. part every of a year. stipulation that you mm. pay that every 12 months when you renew. If there is no contract saying that, yeah. there is no such stuff. Yeah, okay. we, did, we got asked to do that last year. What did you um, say? Do they no, get short No, thrift? thank you. <laughs> is, is that how you phrased it? No, it wasn't how I phrased it, Tim. <laughs> what I had do that you feeling. Um, here's another one for you. Actually, this is not. This is to do with what we were talking about just now, but it is an interesting point. Uh, paying with checks shouldn't be a criminal offence. Uh, what if a person loses their job? The intention of payment is there, but if a person loses their source of income, he or she doesn't have a criminal intent. So why is it a criminal case? I mean, this is. it has been since mm. the law was introduced, I guess, in the late 60s, um, early 70s, mm. I'm guessing. Uh, that's just how it is, mm. isn't it? So the idea here is that there is two parts of it. First of all, if any person defaults his rent, I'm not talking about just as a rent, this is not a criminal charge. But the practice makes the tenancy, for example, with the church, because the church, why it's criminal? Because at the end of the day, check is worth it money. Mm. So if I give you a bounced check, let's say, for example, uh, I, bu- uh, uh, I buy your car, for example, and I pay you 100,000 dirham in cash. Okay, you have the money in your hand. By the way, it's yours. If that's what you give me, that's fine. Take it. Take it. Okay, I made it 5,000. <laughs> so I give you the cash. The cash is in your hand. You can use it. If I give you a chat, you should be able to use it the same way. Mm. So the idea, giving a bounce chat, you can, theoretically speaking, compare it to giving like fake currency. Because like, the, the party who received the chat have the assumption that this is cash. This is something I can spend. So don't it bounce. It's the same as I give you, for example, 100,000 dirham, but fake 100,000 dirham. You cannot cash it. You cannot use it. That's the idea. So that's something that's it might be hard sometimes to digest, especially if you come from a, a country where checks are not criminal. The idea here, chat is equal to currency. Fake currency is like a fake chat or like bounce chat. Regardless, what's the what's the transaction behind it? Is it, for example, like paying school fees or paying rent or just paying like any outstanding amount? Because the moment you give a bounce chat, regardless, regardless what's your intention, as long as it bounce, you already affected the credibility of this payment tool which may have major repercussions on the economical system. And Ali, has, um, has the way that checks have been dealt with changed recently? There has been some slight change in the law. Uh, there was a uh, certain uh, amendments uh, one year and a, or two years ago. Uh, when it comes to property transactions, if you are buying a property under a mortgage, usually you have one security check covering the entire amount of the loan, and later you have checks per installment. But this does not apply to everybody. This is only for Emiratis, for the check covering the entire loan, not the person, not the monthly checks. Okay. But in the case of when you buy a car, for example, mm. I'm pretty sure, I'm thinking back a couple of years now, but when I bought my car, I had to write a check that covered the mm. whole the, amount of the loan. And that was part of a standard procedure, is This is still terminal. If you don't pay these checks, you have a terminal case. Okay. Similar for your credit card, similar even if you have a personal loan. 
All right. And what happens at the end of that loan agreement? So you pay all your installments. Do they then return the check to you? Uh, unfortunately, some banks, they refuse to uh, give you the checks. They tell you that these checks were destroyed or like doesn't exist anymore. And they replace it by what they wrote, like the pleading certificate saying that we release you from any liability. However, despite it might be a bit tough sometimes, our, uh, our recommendation, keep pushing the bet until you get your check back. That's the answer, isn't it? What would Ali do if he would ask for the check <laughs> back? You need to ask yeah. for the check back. Uh, I'm looking yeah. at you thinking, if you demanded a check from me, I'd, I'd give you the check, <laughs> Ali. Uh, yeah, because as long as the check is outside, even if you have like trust 100%, that's not, uh, not going to be attached. What if a mistake happened? Sure. Sure. And then, you know, that's a different uh, thing until a bank sorts it. All right, fair enough. But it is a release from the the, the original mortgage agreement. Mm. And that means you can then, in this case, it's a car, you can then go and register the car in your name. Yeah, because at that time, whenever you finish the payment, you will get uh, a release letter from the the company giving you the finance. You take this one to RTA with whatever proof they may ask you, and you can release like the lien uh, from the release the car from the lien okay now uh, questions through to uh, Ali this afternoon if you have legal advice uh, that is uh, or you need legal advice something is bugging you 4001 or via the free app to talk uh, directly to Ali you can call us as well on 423 we're going to come back and talk about termination of tenancy contracts notice periods off plan property sales which are up uh, as well plus your questions through on the usual numbers No matter your preferred communication, stay in touch with Drive Live, only on Dubai Eye. 103.8. 103.8. Traditionally, this hour is property in its focus. That's what we're taking questions on today. Legal uh, questions to do with property. Put them through. 4001 or via the free app. Legal Hour on Drive Live. Or call in 423-1010. Our legal expert today is Ali Al-Assad from Yamalava and Plethka answering questions, talking through some of the topics that we wanted to get to. We've been talking about checks, really because there was a an article... Recently, landlords in Dubai are becoming increasingly accepting of rent paid in multiple checks, as many as 12. So one check per month in some cases. Landlords being a little bit more flexible is a good thing. And then, of course, we get on to what happens when you bounce checks. It is illegal. Uh, Here it's criminal to bounce a check. Uh, of course, number of questions in about this. Warren is asking, I don't know if you can answer this, uh, Ali, is it only illegal Bouncing checks in the UAE. Are there similar cases in, say, Oman, in Kuwait? Is it is it a GCC situation? Uh, in general, like uh, what we are, what I can confirm is that in the UAE is a criminal uh, case. Also in Lebanon, where I come from, also still also a criminal case. And major, I think majority of the GCC country, but I cannot confirm one by one. Too. Okay. okay, we've had quite a few texts in about the checks. Uh, Bata says, "What what about the banks when they ask for this uh, the kind of chips before? I'm not familiar with this. The kind of chips before the amount of checks when you paid them in twelve or twenty." or 48 checks to cover your loan is that also a criminal offence so I think they're saying when you have a mortgage on a car um, was that still illegal even though the format of payment isn't a check as long as it's a check if it bounced that's a criminal case okay Hopefully that answered your question. Looking straight at Ali, slightly frightened there. Uh, (laughs) If I encash a a cheque which has no funds, do I face any charges as well, or only the cheque account holder? It is just the account holder. uh, As a beneficiary, if you cash a cheque, you're fine. You are the victim here. There is no liability on you. The liability is on the issuer. And um, Shane's also texted in, and and he's asking, what are the rules for opening um, a bounce cheque case for someone who's no longer a resident here? Okay, if you are not a resident in the UAE, you can uh, inj- uh, either come back to report the case or in the event there is anyone who have a uh, attested power of attorney on your behalf, which uh, clearly said that you are allowed to rep- f- file cases at the police, he can handle the case on your behalf. 
Okay, what if somebody's not resident but they have a bank account here still? I mean, if that bank account is still open, mm-hmm. uh, because I don't know if it's the case that you can close a bank account which has checks which have mm. been released, how would the bank know? In the event you close your bank account despite you know that you already issued checks, it's similar if you bounce the check. Is it? Yeah, because at the end of the day there is a check way. that cannot be honored, yeah. Okay, but in theory I suppose you could, could you do that? Uh, I suppose it's possible. Uh, closing the bank account depends like uh, what are the requirements or like the measures uh, applied by every bank. Mm-hmm. First, that the bank sometimes they, uh, we see that bank they ask upon closing the account give us back the checkbook. Right. Okay. And they try to compare like how many checks are already taken out and how much are already cashed. But it depends about the bank. Okay. Um, this is texting for us, I think, here. Just uh, just briefly before we get to your uh, question, why are the statement terms and conditions applied always at the end of almost every advert? We don't do it in other countries. Is it by law? It isn't. It's just something, I guess, to let you know that there are uh, terms and conditions that may apply in the case of that ad. I hadn't thought about that. I've heard that before yeah, in I've the heard UK, that in different, terms yeah. and conditions apply. And in, I think in America they do that quite a lot. They're quite cautious in America about the small print and they don't want people to mm-hmm. take a case against them. People are quite litigious in the um, in the States, aren't they? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, that much we've learned. Indeed. Ali, if I can just move on to one of the topics from mm-hmm. today. Um, one thing that we were going to look at is termination of tenancy contracts and that's by the tenant. So what are the things that you need to do as a tenant to make sure you're terminating your contract properly? Okay. So once we have a tenancy contract that's already signed by both parties, this contract cannot be terminated earlier unless we have the agreement from both parties except if you have something in the contract called early termination clause, which means sometimes you see a tenancy contract that says like one year rent, X amount, you pay the rent at certain date, but doesn't talk anything about early termination. And this, if you have such contract, whenever you want to terminate earlier, all what you have to do, or all what you can do actually is go to your landlord and convince him to give you some kind of a refund of the amount you already paid. If you have an early termination clause, here we recommend to read it carefully because sometimes we see mixed, uh, people get lost about certain details. You will see contracts that say, in the event of early termination, the tenant has to give one month's notice period and pay one month's penalty. Which means, for example, let's say I want to vacate my property 1st of August. I have to tell my landlord by maximum 1st of July that I'm leaving in 1st of August, which means for the month of July, I'll be using the property, I'll pay my rent, and on the 1st of August, I'll pay him one month's rent and I will walk away. Sometimes people, they get confused about the fact, oh, I gave a notice, why should I pay a penalty? Or sometimes, like, I, I'll pay a penalty, I don't want to give a notice. If the contract provides for both, you have to do both. If you have a contract that just taught about notice period, for example, two months notice, which means you tell the landlord in advance, two months before the uh, date you specify to vacate, you tell him that I'm leaving in two months. You, during these two months, you'll use the property and you will pay the rent. If you have something about penalty, you just leave whenever you want and you pay the agreed penalty, one month or two months, whatever you have in your contract. Okay, so there's a text in here with no name. It's They say, I've given notice on my villa. The landlord's offered a lower rent. It's been rejected, and now the landlord's making it really difficult to move out. Um, she lives outside of the country, isn't returning calls or emails. What are my options? So basically, uh, as we discussed, uh, if your contract provides for a notice and you already fulfilled this notice and you gave like, uh, the um, written uh, proof uh, for it, then you're fine. If the landlord is not responding, you have two steps. First of all, if there is any amount you want to receive back from him, let's say you paid him like one or two years or security deposit, in this situation, unfortunately, the only uh, recourse you have is to file a case against the landlord to get back your money. And in the event there is no payments and all what you are interested in is just like you want to hand over the property, try to hand over the keys to the landlord or to whoever is legally allowed to receive it on his behalf. Let's say someone who has a power of attorney, like the agent you were dealing with, and if they have power of attorney, you can give the key and that they approve. 
So if they're out of the country, not answering calls or emails, how do you find mm. out who the power of attorney is? That's a situation that we see it from time to time. Like sometimes you want to pay your landlord or sometimes you want to just hand over the property because the contract is not early terminated. Just you had a tenancy contract for one year and it's over. And like you didn't request renewal, like there is nothing about renewal in this situation. We see people that they are plan- trying to give the keys and here there is a horrible mistake that happens sometimes they give the key back to the security guy of the building mm. or to the management office. These are very risky steps because what's going to happen, first of all, the security guy is not legally allowed to receive the property. Second of all, you may give it to the security guy and that month the security guy will be transferred or maybe leave the country or whatever. You will end up in a situation where, legally speaking, the landlord did not receive the property, which means you're still using it, which means you will be liable to pay the rent for the period until you reach a solution. Uh, facing this situation, the RDC came up with the system where in the event you have, you can have a written proof that you try to reach your landlord, but he's unreachable or he's uh, not uh, responding. There is an application you can file it at the RDC, uh, supported by whatever documents you have to show that he's not responding to you. You can deposit the key at the rental dispute center. In this situation, you get a receipt from the authority saying that you handed over the property. And as we know that whenever you have this receipt, your obligation to pay rent will expire, will stop at that time. Okay, so there is a there's a small fee to pay to do yeah, that. Like, uh, around like hundred seventy dirham or something. Okay, like and hand the keys over and any evidence you have that you try to contact the landlord. Yeah, because uh, unless you can provide a proof that you are um, uh, trying to contact the landlord and he's not responding, they're not gonna accept the application. Also, you have to bring that uh, clearance from the DWA that you right. uh, close the account and that which is a proof that you are not using the property anymore. So evidence that you fulfilled your obligations yep. uh, supports the fact that the landlord hasn't fulfilled his or her exactly. uh, obligations. Okay, that's uh, a question. Hopefully that's answered. Let's talk to Hassan, who's on line four now. Hassan, uh, afternoon. Hi, how are you guys? Uh, good. Uh, your situation, Hassan, is an unusual one. This is a bit disappointing, I think. You've just moved into a villa, uh, obviously looking forward to a good few years there, and it's not gone according to plan, has it? Yeah, so this is a dilemma me and my family are facing. We mm. moved into a villa two months ago. Um, we had not, uh, you know, finished unpacking, unpacking the boxes, and that's when we found out that the villa has been sold to another owner. And this owner uh, has issued us a, a notice to vacate the premises after one year. Um, so we don't know what to do now because obviously when you move into a villa, you don't always move with a one-year plan. You know, this is two, three years involved in your planning. We've obviously spent a lot of money furnishing the place uh, because it's a new place. Um, I reached out to the owner. I tried to seek some kind of a solution. I told him, listen, the rents will increase next year, I know. Can I move out of your premises right now, and then you can compensate me a little bit for for because this this new owner I know that he's on on rent, so he'll be saving his rent and he'll have a chance to move into his property sooner. He said, "No, I have a tenancy agreement with my landlord. It's only next year that I'll move, so I'm stuck in this property, you know, in a way." Uh, and I don't know because I can't break out of the tenancy agreement. I know this person's going to kick me out next year. Uh, what do I do? You know, what are my options? And, and Hassan, before you moved in, you had no idea that the villa was going to be sold, I guess. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, obviously, I mean, this, this, this was an owner. We had not met the owner. It was through an agent. The owner used to live outside the country. You know how these things are. You never get to meet the age, uh, owner. Uh, but yeah, there was no indication, you know, that, that there's anything on the table with regards to, you know, sale of the property. Sure. Ali, uh, Ali what uh, do you think Hassan might be able to do? So basically, once you have a tenancy contract with the first landlord, this tenancy contract is in force, unless, as we d- discussed shortly before, that you have an early termination clause or you can reach an agreement with the new landlord. 
So basically, the fact that the, a new landlord came into the game, this doesn't change your tenancy rights. You still have the right to use the property. Your tenancy contract will keep running normally. In the event the new landlord send you a legal notice for 12 months for, uh, for personal use or for sale and he serve it to you properly, then yes, you have to be prepared that after one year, from the time you receive the notice, you may end up uh, vacating. Just confirm to us, is your tenancy contract for one year or for how long? Yeah, so my tenancy contract ends next year in April. Okay. Uh, the, the, the contract that I had with my previous owner. Mm -hmm. uh, the new owner has not signed a tenancy contract with me, but what my agent tells me is that the contract has been moved to the new owner and they'll have the new Ijari and everything sorted out. Yeah. So, so I moved into the place in April, so till next April, which is April 2018, I'm going to live here and then he wants to, the new owner wants to move in. Okay, the new, the, note, the little notice he served to you when? Sorry? When, when did you receive the little notice? Uh, yesterday. Okay, and is it about sale or personal use? Personal use, he wants to move in. Okay, personal use. In this situation, as long as he serves it to you properly and he have the documentation that you are already aware about this notice, if after one year from the serving the notice he file a case for against you to vacate the property, and he can prove that he doesn't have any alternative property, you'll have to move out. Mm. Okay. All right. Okay. Unless yeah, you find that he have a different villa, then it's a different story. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much. It's probably Thank not you. the answer you wanted, Hassan, unfortunately. It's <laughs> uh, just it's a horrible situation to be in. It sounds to me like somebody should have been a little bit more upfront with you when they were uh, your agent, when they were leasing the place to you in the first place. That's right. Everything happened behind my back, and I, I don't think legally they, they, they were required to consult me, obviously, as the tenant, mm. uh, but it, it would have been nice of them, you know, to, to consider my issue as well, but yeah, this is, this is how it is. It would, have been, it would have been the ethical thing to do, wouldn't it, unfortunately? Yeah. Look, I yeah. uh, appreciate you sharing the issue with us today. Uh, hopefully, well, let's hope you can sort something out with the new landlord. Fingers are crossed. All right. Thank you very much. Good to talk to you. Nice to talk to you. Thank you. Um, so that's a question for you. It does sound like the uh, agency there kind of pulled a little bit of a fast one, to be honest, Ali. It might be. This, we've seen such scenarios. We've seen scenarios where just like some uh, new plans from after signing the tenancy contract with the tenant. And sometimes, to be honest, it happened like, let's say the property was not sold at that time. After you signed with, the, with your landlord, he just sell you like after one week a notice to sell the property. Mm. So even let's say like you don't have any proof that he's willing to sell, so any time he can change his mind. It, you, you say that with a kind of a resignation, a kind of shrug of the shoulders. Like, it is. That's how it is. It is, isn't it? Um, Sheer Khan texts in, not from the Jungle Book. I'm guessing, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, that's not the case. However, this is what happened to my colleague. And we're back to the bounce checks question again, just briefly. Uh, a bank uh, refused to issue him a new checkbook due to some previous bounce checks. So how can you now rent a property without having... Uh, without being able to issue a post-dated uh, check. Uh, that's a system that I'm familiar with even back from my home country that if you have a bad record about issuing the checks, like, uh, there will be some kind of circulars or a decision from the central bank or from your bank itself yeah. not to give you any ch uh, checkbooks anymore because you don't have credibility. Because you will give checks, you will bounce them. So they stop giving you these checks. That's one of the repercussions. If you bounce checks already before a couple of times, you have to be ready with the fact that you have to live without a checkbook. And living without a checkbook here is not a simple situation. So in this case for rent, you need to have someone, let's say if you have a spouse or you have someone like a close friend who can issue checks on your behalf, like give you checks from his own checkbook. Well, or agree on one payment and pay it all in advance. Sure. That's 
That's quite a shock to hear that, I think. Yeah, I, I wasn't uh, the, the, what I expected there. But that's uh, a question. We've got a lot of questions to get to. 4001, we've probably got space for one or two more if there is something on your mind, particularly to do with property. But not all the, t- the texts in here are property. Legal Answers, Ali Al-Assad is here from Yamalava and Plethka. We want to hear from you. Find us on Facebook. Tweet at Dubai I 1038FM. Drive Live, it is the Legal Hour. Ali Al-Assad is with us. Legal Hour on Drive Live. He is from Yamalava. And Plethka, a few questions to do. We should just be able to fit these questions in. Let's start with uh, Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick. Yeah, yeah. Fitzpatrick says, Hi Ali, I heard that as per the central bank, there's no requirement to sign a security check for a credit card application, but some banks still require the security check. Is that legal? Basically, if we have what from central bank saying that uh, it's not mandatory, it means even if a bank asks for it, it's not a violation. It's not uh, like something illegal because just they say it's not mandatory. And in practice, you cannot, as we know, like you cannot get any credit card unless you sign a check for it. Okay. Uh, so but you, you could you argue and say, well, look, you, you really don't need this. Is is it? It's just like a procedure. It's like yeah. a, a check and a balance, I suppose. At the end of the day, like uh, getting a credit card from a bank is a contract between two parties. So mm-hmm. every party will put his uh, his terms. So unless we'll have like any repercussions on the bank, if he keep insisting on the check, then there is no solution. Okay, so if you don't like it, go to another uh, credit card provider, I suppose. Yeah. All right then. Uh, I'm in. This is an interesting question. Arjun texts in. I'm in a three-year commercial contract with a hotel. It's for the lease of an F and B outlet. There's no termination clause in the contract. How do I cancel my contract? And will there be a penalty if it ends up uh, going to court? Okay, if we are talking about a pure tenancy contract, you are just renting the premises. We are not talking about any agreement to run the restaurant of the hotel or something. If you are talking just about pure rental relationship. If you don't have an early termination clause, you are bound by the contract unless you can reach a settlement with your landlord. Okay. It only says uh, for the lease of an F&B outlet. It doesn't say anything so about managing the outlet. I think it's a just trend and as a distrust, like, if you don't have an early termination clause, you are bound by the contract. Okay. We've got another text. There's no name on this one, Ali. It says, a person residing outside the UAE received money from me for the past year, and that's through Western Union. Can I use the proof of receipt from Western Union to file a case to claim my money back? If yes, what's the procedure? Okay, basically, if we are talking about a debt, because here there is two types of transfers. Sometimes you transfer money to a person to hold it uh, as a deposit on your behalf. This, If he doesn't pay you back, this is a crime. But that's not what I see your message, to be honest. In your message, it seems to be like you gave a loan or like someone you lended money to someone. In the event he doesn't pay in showing that, yes, we received, we delivered the money, especially if the receipt will show the name of the person, then yes, you can file a case claiming your money back, but here you have to be careful about two points. Uh, here you are, we are talking about a civil case, which means you have to prove your case, get a judgment, and later go to enforce it. If the person you are talking about is outside of the UAE and he doesn't have any assets here, you will have a judgment, but technically speaking, enforcing this judgment is not going to be simple, unless this person have any intention to convert to the country. Okay. Uh, MTS texting in. I am a real estate broker. It's very confusing. During the rear course, we're told notice to vacate can only be served at the time the tenancy contract expires. This gives every tenant a minimum of two years to stay in a property. Our understanding and the way how we process these cases so far at the Rental Dispute Center is that the notice can be given to the uh, as a rule, notice to vacate upon expiry of the tenancy contract, which means Let's say we have someone who moved into the property on the 1st of January 2017, okay? And he have a tenancy contract for two years, which means he need to vacate, let, sorry, the tenancy contract will expire on the 1st of January 2019. Right. If in the middle of 2017, I serve him the notice for 12 months, this is invalid. Because the expiry of the 12 months notice should be either 
at the expiry of the tenancy contract or any date after it, but not before. So can you serve the notice on, say, halfway through the year to kick in on a certain date? Yes. So, for example, let's say we have one-year tenancy contract and you serve it after six months, which means this will mean that the tenant will have another six months after the expiry of the first year. Right. Okay. And you do the rent prorata for this period. Okay, so you get 12 months uh, irrespective. Yeah, 12 months from the date of serving. And this 12 months cannot fall before the expiry. It should be from the date of expiry or after. Okay. Final question in today. Yeah, okay. Hasnain um, said, The rent in my area, Uptamish City, three-bed apartment is currently reduced value, but the landlord is asking for the same higher contract value. What options do I have? So basically, uh, for the rental dispute center, uh, it ha- tell you how the rent can be increased, but doesn't tell you how it can be decreased. So if the rent in your area is falling down, this doesn't put any legal obligation on the landlord to reduce your rent. In this situation, you are facing more like some kind of a commercial agreement with him that, listen, this is the rent you want. If you give me a certain discount, I'll stay in. Otherwise, I'm moving out, provided that you follow the requirements to terminate the contract. And from there, you have to negotiate with the landlord, and hopefully you will be a- he will be reasonable and you'll be able to, main- to reach a situation where it makes sense for both of you. But legally speaking, he's not bound to reduce the rent. So essentially, if you're not happy, you don't like the deal, go somewhere else. Yep. And sometimes whenever you tell this to your landlord, he may come and say, like, okay, he will uh, compromise his position. Okay, like, okay, if you are asking for a discount of 20%, 20%, I can give you 5% or 10 And if you are happy, then you stay. It's worth giving it a go, though, isn't it? Yeah, moving is not that simple. Yeah, too right. Uh, Ali Al-Assad is our legal expert. I have yet to see him miss a beat. It's always good to see you, Ali. Thanks. Thank you. Have a pleasure.